0: One woman, one horse, one goal. 48 states for domestic violence awareness. Hello and welcome to Have Horse, Will Travel, the official podcast for the Centaur Ride. I'm Meredith Cherry and this is my co-host Apollo. Welcome back. Today's episode is about the five worst drivers... And one pedestrian that Apollo and I have come across in 8,200 and something miles of traveling around the country. The original plan for this episode was a whole list of reasons that I would not recommend that people ride a horse on the road. But pretty much all of them boiled down to the bad drivers. So I thought, let's just talk about those. Later in the episode, I will also be joined by my friend and Zumba instructor, Mary, of Rhythms Fitness Studio in Grass Valley, California, who's going to talk with us about how awesome Zumba is. So let's get started. Bad driver number one, people who honk. There are so many people who honk at Apollo and I as we're going down the road. This is so common that for the most part I can't even remember who honked at us or when or where because it's just an everyday occurrence pretty much. Apollo is not bothered by the honking anymore. He is used to it. I don't like it because it's loud and unpleasant but I know that most people who honk are just trying to say hi, and they want to make sure that I look at them as they're driving by and waving so that I know that they're excited and happy and saying hi. Otherwise, I wouldn't notice them, probably. So I get it. I understand why they're honking, but it's a bad idea. Occasionally, I think there are people who are honking in an unfriendly kind of way, but... Honestly, it's hard to tell the difference unless it's very clear that they are being rude intentionally. I just assume they are trying to be friendly. However, that doesn't mean that they're not bad drivers because you should never, ever honk at a horse on the road or a horse anywhere because horses tend to be afraid of that kind of thing. And it could be very dangerous for the rider and the horse if you were to honk at them. So if you see a horse on the road and you want to say hi, don't honk. Maybe roll down your window and wave or yell hi out the window or something. Don't honk. But among the people who have honked, there is one in particular who stands out as being the worst. A lot of people, when they honk and are trying to be friendly, probably don't know about horses and that horses could be scared about someone honking at them and so it's understandable they might not realize that this could scare a horse. However, the worst driver earns this distinguished title because that driver was pulling a horse trailer when she honked at me. And yes, she was being friendly. She also rolled down her window to wave and had a big smile on her face so I knew she was trying to be friendly. But I can give a pass to the people who don't know anything about horses and don't realize that it could be scary. But someone pulling a horse trailer should know better. And yet she did it anyway. So that was shocking, (laughs) to say the least. I'm still, when I think of it, I'm kind of shocked about that. Of course, that's the case with all of these drivers that are on my top five list. They are all shocking. In their own way. Bad driver number two. People who yell. We don't get yelled at very often. Typically if anyone's yelling they're just going hi or a horse a horse. That's usually the kids. That's fine. I mean people who yell angrily. Who are irate that I'm riding a horse on the road. Now, when I ride on the road, I try to stay as far out of the way of traffic as possible because I don't want to get hit by a car and I don't want Apollo to get hit by a car. So I'm trying to stay out of the way. Sometimes I will move out into the lane either because there is nowhere else to go for that stretch of road and there's no shoulder and there's no way to get off of the road and I have to be in the lane, but I'll still try to stay on the side Sometimes I go further in the lane and signal traffic that I need them to stop for a very brief stretch for a particularly hazardous section of road, such as a really dangerous bridge or something like that, where I just need to get past... That little stretch where it could be disastrous for someone to pass me. And so I just need them to wait a moment until I get over that. And typically people are okay with that. Either they'll wait for a break in traffic and go around or they'll wait behind me. And that's great. But every once in a while, whether we're holding up traffic briefly or just minding our business on the side of the road, occasionally people will yell. Usually it's yelling something rude as they drive past and I forget about it, you know, within a day. And yet the worst of these drivers who yell, I very clearly remember because I was not in their way. First of all, I can understand if I was actually in their way and they had to wait, they might get angry. Not that it's a good reason, but it's more understandable. But this was on a fairly minor road, two lanes. It was a city street. So there was a lane in each direction, but it was not heavily trafficked. The car that passed us that did the yelling was coming up from behind and there was no oncoming traffic. There was the whole road that he could have easily just gone around, no problem. But instead, he decided he needed to go around and yell and curse and make rude hand gestures and then zoom off as fast as he could. And it was so ridiculous because he could have just passed like any slow moving vehicle that he might have come across. Technically, Apollo and I are slow moving vehicles by law. We're a vehicle or Apollo's a vehicle. I'm not a vehicle. (laughs) I'm the driver. Uh, But yeah, he couldn't just go around and continue with his day. He had to make a big deal out of it and cuss us out. And it was very rude and very upsetting that someone could be that rude to us when I was not even, you know, impeding them from getting anywhere. Completely uncalled for. So that person, therefore, is on my top five worst drivers. Worst driver number three, people who are impatient. This happens all the time. People are in such a hurry to get where they're going that if I am unable to be off of the road and I have to be on the edge of the road where the drivers need to move over a little to go around they can't wait to do it. They need to go right now. And so they will jump into the oncoming traffic if there is any and zip around when there's no room to do so safely. Or they won't jump into oncoming traffic and will just squeeze by. And it's dangerous. First of all, it's terrifying. And so I wear a mirror on my helmet so that I can see everyone behind me, just like a rear view mirror in a car. I can watch for traffic approaching from behind. And this is very useful. And I'm always listening also for vehicles, but looking and listening, looking and listening, especially if I hear anyone coming, I'll watch them in my mirror and see what they're doing and also look ahead to see if there's any oncoming traffic and how this is all going to play out. That way I can be ready to react if they're going to do something stupid, because it happens so often. I have to be prepared for that kind of thing. So generally, I just try to move over more if I can, or maybe stop at a driveway or a wide spot for people to pass. But I can't be stopping all the time, every time there's a car, because we'd never get anywhere. We're already going slow enough. And also legally, I don't have to but I do try to be safe so whatever I need to do to be safe even if I'm not required to I'll still do it if it makes sense to but anyway people who are impatient usually I just sigh and shake my head and keep going with my day but every once in a while someone is so impatient and does something so completely wrong that I get irate about it And especially if it's just been that kind of day all day, person after person driving dangerously around me and Apollo, then my patience starts to wear thin. And so the most embarrassing time for me that there was a rude driver around me, so they don't really necessarily deserve to be in the top five, but it's so memorable that they're in my top five there was a gravel truck driver who needed to turn from a side street onto the road that I was traveling along. This was also a smallish side road. I'd been going parallel to a highway for most of the day on a rail trail, so I'd been doing pretty well with not having to deal with traffic. So it wasn't a matter of me being fed up with people at this point, but this driver turned left to go down the side road that Apollo and I were riding along, and to turn left required that they head towards me uh, head on. But we were close enough to the intersection at that point, and they had such a wide turning radius that when they turned left, they were headed right at us. And even though they were able to complete the turn without hitting us, they had to do it very close and it looked to Apollo and really to me like they were gonna run us over and so Apollo got scared and I got mad and the driver was oblivious and kept going and I unfortunately was so upset about this that I lost my manners and flipped him a bird I generally try not to do that, first of all, because I like to be a nice person. But also, as a solo woman traveler on a horse, if anyone really took offense to it, we could be in a really bad situation if they were to, like, up the ante and maybe veer towards us on purpose or something, you know, it could get really dangerous. I'm not in a good spot to be acting even that level of aggressive. So, I lost it though. It's happened a few times. I really try to control that finger from coming out, but I'm sorry. I grew up in the LA area. That's where I learned how to drive and this is just part of my road training, I guess. But anyway, it happened. The driver himself was not I don't even know if he saw me, but unfortunately, that intersection coming from the other way was my hostess for the night on a four-wheeler who knew we were coming because I had given her an ETA and she knew we were close. And so she'd hopped on her four-wheeler to come out and meet me and show me the way into her property. Super nice. And she happened to get to the intersection just as this all happened. And so her first impression of me was me giving someone a middle finger, which was so embarrassing. And maybe I'm overreacting, but I really try to give a good first impression and overall impression. I try really hard to be a nice person and a good guest and whatever. And it was really not the first impression I wanted to give to anybody except the bad driver. And so I was so embarrassed, but luckily it worked out. She had also seen what he had done and completely agreed that it was ridiculous. I was almost at the intersection. I could have been out of his way inside of 15 seconds and that if he had been patient, it wouldn't have even mattered in the big picture wherever he was driving to and it would have been safer for all of us so she did not she was not offended at seeing me act that way but I was embarrassed so that was why this driver is on my list of top five bad drivers even though there have been plenty of other impatient drivers who have been just as bad the timing was such that it was embarrassing of course it not very often that I get that upset enough that my middle finger comes out without me even like whoops where'd that middle finger come from it happened again doesn't happen very often so that it even did with this guy he probably does deserve to be at least on the top 10 bad drivers and not the top five so number four on the bad drivers list is people who drive too fast. That's probably like 90% of people. But generally I can accept it as a unfortunate road hazard. It's just how people drive. I am aware of this and try to stay on the quieter roads whenever I can. Not only because it's more pleasant, but because it's more safe when people are going slower. Usually when people try to pass me, They don't slow down, or at least not perceptibly. And I am watching them because of that rearview mirror. I'm watching pretty much everyone that's approaching me. And sometimes I can tell that they slow down, and I really appreciate that. But most of the time, they don't slow down. And if they think they're slowing down, they're not doing it enough because I can't tell. But that, as I said, is why I try to stick to the quieter roads. And yet, even on the quiet roads... Sometimes, people just go too fast. The driver who's made it onto my top five bad drivers list was one of these. I was riding Apollo down a very quiet residential street. The speed limit couldn't have been more than 40. It was paved, but it did not have any road paint on it. It was two-lane width, but not two-lane painted. So quiet street, Uh, the more paint, the more busy a road tends to be typically. So that there was no paint means it's a pretty quiet road. I had seen maybe one car in the last 30 minutes, like it was really quiet. And then pretty much literally out of nowhere, this motorcyclist thought he was speed racer driving down the road. And flew past us. I would not be surprised if he was going double the speed limit. He was going so fast. He was literally almost a blur as he went by. Just this black little crotch rocket of a motorcycle with his matching jacket and helmet like Speed Racer. And he was just flying Luckily, there was plenty of room on the side of the road to get out of his way, and I was already riding on the side of the road because he was going so fast that even though I was looking and listening, I only heard him seconds before he got there because he was just going so fast. And so we were fine, and it wasn't technically that dangerous, but he still makes it on my top five. Just because of how recklessly fast he was going. And it was just shocking to see someone going that fast on this quiet, low speed limit street. Before I talk about the very worst of the worst drivers, let's talk about the worst pedestrian. I was going through a medium-sized town and as usual in towns, people wanted to meet the horse. You know, it's very exciting to see a horse in town that doesn't really happen in most towns. And so I had gone onto the sidewalk where the people were who wanted to pet him. And they were, you know, enjoying meeting Apollo. And one of these people had a stroller, which is fine. At this point, it was like, 5,000 miles into the ride. So Apollo had seen lots of strollers. The stroller itself was not the problem. The problem was the person pushing the stroller. And when she was done showing her kids Apollo and decided she needed to continue on her way, pushing the stroller, of course, she walked towards Apollo's tail and then hooked a right around his butt, close enough that his tail practically got tangled up in the stroller. It definitely made his tail sway from brushing against it. That's how close she was pushing that stroller around him and then crossed the street and continued on her way. I didn't realize that I needed to warn her not to do that until it was too late and she was already doing that. And Apollo was pretty well surrounded by people well on like the front and the side she'd been on there were people and on the other side was the street with lots of cars going by and so if he had gotten afraid at that moment and tried to run or jumped or otherwise acted afraid he could have easily either knocked someone over or jumped in front of a car and luckily He didn't even react to someone pushing a stroller that close to his back end. But it sure scared the heck out of me. I was sure we were going to have some sort of incident. Also, if he had reacted to it, but not to run away, he could have gone instead of to flight mode, he could have gone to fight mode, which means he would have potentially kicked the stroller or the lady pushing it because it was very much something that could have made a horse feel like it was being attacked like when a mountain lion pounces on a horse they do it from the back end and so when you have something like a stroller brushing against a horse's back end it would not be unreasonable for the horse to think it's being attacked and kick at the stroller luckily he didn't but it scared me pretty good And so that pedestrian is now the only pedestrian on my top worst pedestrians list. Not to say that other people haven't done dumb things that were on foot or on bicycles. But at this point, the lady pushing the stroller is the only one to make it to my top five worst people who are not driving cars finally person number five I should have really numbered this the other way person number one the number one person to be a bad driver is the one and only time that Apollo and I got hit by a car this person falls under the category of bad drivers who drive too close As with bicycles, of course not everyone does this for bicycles either, but as with bicycles or pedestrians, anytime you see someone on the side of the road that is walking or riding a horse or riding a bicycle, or anyone that's even pulled over, really, you should give them some room when you pass them. Some states have laws about this, others don't, but in either case, you should move over as much as it's safely possible or wait until it is safe to be possible before you pass them and a lot of drivers don't do this certainly not to apollo and i and so all the time we're getting passed by people who just keep driving as if we're not even there i don't know if they don't see us or just don't care but in any case they just drive too close And so if Apollo was to get scared, we could very easily get hit, especially if the thing that scares him is not the car and he jumps in front of the car. If the driver hasn't given us any space, there's no wiggle room there. We would easily get hit in that case, which is exactly what happened when we got hit. Apollo saw something on the side of the road that he thought was scary. And he didn't even jump. If this car hadn't been there and collided with us, I wouldn't have even remembered this as being a thing. But he saw something that he thought he needed to give a little bit of a wide berth to. And he stepped, not very much, very slightly, he stepped into the street from the bike lane that we were in. And there was a truck there, a little pickup. But a little pickup is still bigger and heavier and more solid than a horse and a rider. And we collided. Before you get too worried here, nobody was hurt, which was kind of amazing. The noise that it made was huge, or at least it felt like it was. What the noise was, was Apollo's saddlebags hitting the side of the truck. Nothing in the saddlebag broke either, but that's probably just because I pack everything really well. So everything was fine. Apollo was fine. He, as soon as this happened, jumped back the other way and I quickly spun him around and got him to stop and jumped off. I also got hit. My foot in the stirrup, my heel got hit by this truck. But it was fine also. I felt it, but it didn't hit hard enough to injure me. And I think the saddlebags actually cushioned Apollo a little bit. So he was fine. But it was terrifying. And I never, ever want that to happen again. But the whole reason that this even happened was because the driver, even though it was a big road and there was no other cars around, didn't move over at all when he was passing. And so when Apollo stepped just a little bit to the left, we got hit. So this is something that concerns me all the time because so many people don't move over and this sort of thing could easily happen again just because people don't give us enough room and... Horses can be unpredictable, even if you are riding a really experienced horse like Apollo now is. There's still sometimes things that he thinks are not scary enough to run away from or to really freak out about, but he's going to shuffle sideways just a little bit. So sometimes we need a little extra room on the road. So that person, since they actually hit us is hands down number one worst driver and since I know you're wondering because this is always the follow-up question when I tell the story yes they did stop yes they came back to see if we were okay they gave me their information so that if I did have a problem that I could contact them and get their insurance and whatever but still They're still on my number one worst driver list just because it happened. Now I would like to welcome special guest Mary of Rhythms Fitness Studio in Grass Valley, California, who is my Zumba instructor. Hi, Mary. Thanks for joining me.
1: Of course. Happy to join you.
0: I think our listeners would love
2: to hear a little bit about the amazing world of Zumba.
1: Can you tell us about it? (laughs) I certainly can. Um, As you know, I owned a fitness studio in Grass Valley in Nevada County in California for many years, and um, we focused on having Zumba as the primary platform for fitness and dance and happiness, quite frankly. And so what I can tell you about Zumba is that it is over a decade old at this point and is actually one of the most popular ways to move the body around that exists on the planet. And it is actually a worldwide program. I don't think there's a country left on the planet that doesn't have at least one Zumba instructor. And in most of the first world countries, there are countless numbers of young people and older people who have been trained to be Zumba instructors. It's very easy to find a Zumba studio. You can go to Zumba.com and it will say find a class and then you can just search along until you find something that's very close to you and it will describe not only that there's a Zumba class but what kind of Zumba class as well because there are several different types. To focus today just on Zumba, there is regular Zumba. You all have probably seen the advertisements on television. And for many of us, that looks terrifying because it's so fast and so wildly fun. But I'm happy to say Zumba also has what they call Zumba Gold. And Zumba Gold is a much gentler, more doable kind of a class for people who are of a certain age, let's say. Well, actually, you know, it kind of varies what the age might be. In my particular Zumba classes, we have between 60 and 90 years old. And those are all people who feel that they want to be standing, dancing, their focus is on dance, and it's steps that can be easily done. There's also another type of Zumba Gold, which is a seated Zumba class for those of us who no longer feel that we're stable enough, balanced enough to be actually standing up and kind of tapping our feet around and making our feet move rather quickly. So those are all worth looking up. Regular Zumba, Zumba Gold, and then the very gentlest of Zumba Gold. You would have to call the local facility to find out what kind of Zumba Gold they're doing. Likely it would be both types. But it's very, very fun. The slogan for Zumba is, Ditch the Workout, Join the Party. And that's truly what it's all about. Frequently, the people who go to Zumba are people who are not the kind of folk who go to a gym. They're the kind of folk who can say to themselves, I can get up this morning and go dancing. I don't want to go work out with machinery and I don't want to go on a recumbent bike. I want to go dance and have fun. And so... If you or any of the folks who are listening feel that that's more your type of fitness, that's a perfect way to try it out. It is Latin music. If you love Latin music, you'll be in heaven. If you think it's pretty good music, you're going to learn to love it all the more. If you don't like Latin music or want have no desire whatsoever to learn how to do Latin dance, it may not be your thing but it's worth a try because it is so very fun. Even the roots of Zumba are kind of hilarious. The gentleman named Beto Perez, who started Zumba actually was a fitness instructor who went to one of his big classes in his big hometown in South America. And what happened there was he forgot his music. And in a panic, he ran to his car, brought out his regular dance music, and proceeded to create for this class some dances and some fitness moves blended together. And to his amazement, they had such a great time that over the next couple of years, he and some investors put this together and created this magical kind of program that exists now all over the planet. The original owners still own it, and it is amazingly consistent. It is truly a very, very fun program to be part of.
2: You mentioned the Latin music and the dancing. Do you need to be able to shake your hips like a salsa dancer to be able to do this or otherwise consider yourself a good dancer? Or is it something that's fun even if you have two left feet?
1: Well, it is a perfect program, particularly Zumba Gold, for the person who says, I have two left feet. We will, for the most part, actually teach you how to dance, how to find the right foot, how to get your feet moving back and forth, to move yourself through space and time. For those people who are sort of natural dancers, they'll be able to come into a Zumba class, quickly pick up the steps, and be able to work out perhaps with more vigor than a person who is still kind of finding their way on the dance floor. On the other hand, my experience is that after three months, the individual who is learning how to dance will actually suddenly have that aha experience and start to say, you know what, I'm moving better and better. And over time, they will actually catch up with everybody else in the room and be able to dance their hearts out.
2: I definitely have enjoyed doing Zumba. That's probably one of the things I miss most while I'm riding is not being able to do Zumba Although I suppose as I travel around I really could find Zumba places all over the country because as you say it is international. I know you're a big traveler. Have you had any really interesting experiences of Zumbaing while on vacation?
1: Uh, I have, and also of teaching Zumba while on vacation. So it is true that if it's convenient and I'm near a Zumba studio, I will step in. And Zumba along with everyone, English being, of course, the language of the planet, aren't we lucky? And then I do speak Spanish, which also makes Zumba very fun for me because I can actually explain to people what the songs are saying. So it's been fun to dance in Latin America as well. On the other hand, every single time I travel, particularly if I go with a group, the group will ask for Zumba, and this includes even the very brave men that we're traveling with, they will ask for Zumba just so they can keep moving while on a trip. Probably the most fun I've ever had with doing Zumba, though, was in Africa. That was where I was able to teach an African-style Zumba dance to a group of very talented African dancers who then proceeded to laugh uproariously at the simplicity of the dance and then, of course, show us how it would be done in the way that their culture would actually do it, which left (laughs) us all screaming with laughter. Additionally, in India, we had the same kind of experience using an Indian tune that was very, very popular a couple of years ago, and that left everyone as well just laughing and laughing with the simplicity of the steps that would be done for women of a certain age, again, 65- and 75-ish-year-old people, and then the exuberant young people who could do it the way that the culture actually set it up. So it, it is fun. First of all, it's so fun to share, so fun to dance with people all over the world, and Zumba is one of the ways that makes it easy to do that.
2: That is definitely something I need to start looking for when I'm traveling and uh, not just wait till I'm home in the winter. Um, so, just to be clear for people who have never Zoomba or seen or heard of it before, it's dance based and it's Latin based, but it's not a partner dance. So, you don't have to bring your significant other. You don't need to know anyone in the class. You can just show up and dance and shake your booty and get some exercise.
1: And laugh. I mean, it is so much fun. And it is a community of people. In a very quick period of time, people will start to create the kind of community that allows for pre-class chatting, hanging out afterwards, going for a cup of coffee, that kind of thing. True friendship can quickly be generated, particularly because most of the people in the room are not brilliant dancers. Instead, they are people who want to move, love music, and are coming together to laugh. Just as Zumba said, as I mentioned earlier, ditch the workout, join the party. There is a joyous element to this music and the women hanging out together and the few brave men who actually come to Zumba classes. So one of the things that Zumba has done and that we as uh, what are called ZIN, Zumba Instructor Network folks, have done is we've started to use YouTube and other types of programs like Zoom to bring classes to people so that they can practice in their living room, play around in the kitchen and have some fun. We at Rhythms Fitness Studio in Grass Valley had a site on YouTube called Rhythms Fitness at the Cedar Ridge Y and that's the letter Y. So options are out there for you. You just have to be a YouTube person to see them. And it might be worthwhile for you to look at them and get a sense of what Zumba can be. And remember that everybody does Zumba at their own pace.
2: Yes, that's definitely a great resource, I think, for anybody who wants to give it a try or just doesn't have anywhere to do Zumba in the area. They can still do Zumba at home. Any special considerations for doing it at home? My mom and I tried to do a Zumba class on the carpet, and that was a bad idea. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I definitely, with the, the twisting and turning, needed a little bit of more slippery floor. Anything else people should know before they come to their first class or do one at
1: home? You know, that's really true. The issue is that because in Latin dance, you do a lot of foot movement, kind of side to side, and then leg movement side to side, frequently you do need a smoother floor, like a hardwood floor, laminate, tile even is all fine. And you do need good shoes. You should consider looking for shoes that will wrap around your foot, like tied shoes, velcroed shoes not your house slippers wear something that gives your foot some real support because they'll be working hard actually even in a gentle class your feet will be moving and you want that to be a consideration and in addition to that have a glass of water a bottle of water somewhere close at hand because you will start to perspire
2: Mm -hmm. thank you for sharing with everybody about one of my favorite things to do I would definitely encourage anyone listening to give Zumba a try, and I will include a link to the Rhythms Fitness Studio YouTube page and Facebook page and the website in the show notes and podcast description so you can find those there or just look them up.
1: Thank you very much for this time, and thank you, everyone, for listening.
2: Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Have Horse, Will Travel. If you would like to hear more of our adventures, apart from, of course, listening to all the previous podcast episodes, you can follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on my website, www.centauride.org, C-E-N-T-A-U-R-I-D-E dot O-R-G. And you can find a link for that in the podcast description. As well as links for Rhythms Fitness Studio and Zumba International. And there's also lots and lots of information and show notes available for this podcast episode on my website. So check those out and come back next week. I will be talking about the most important question that everybody has been asking me recently. Which is, what are our plans for continuing the ride? And so I will answer that question next week. I release an episode every week. So please come back and keep listening. And until next time, (laughs) bye-bye.